Thank you for listening, but please be advised that I am no expert in the topics I cover. Always use scientific skepticism to look into things for yourself. If you find that I was wrong about something, the best thing you can do for me is to let me know. You can do that at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Please also be aware of the fact that swear words are just a natural part of my vernacular, and I don't bleep anything out, so listener discretion is advised. This is episode 98 of Living Through Extinction, a short to the point podcast with science and skepticism, environment and wildlife, and stuff I find interesting or important that I want to learn more about. Today, I talk about why TikTokers keep promoting the ingestion of borax, getting green hydrogen from seawater, and I finish up with covering sections from Project 2025's Mandate for Leadership. If you've joined me before, then thank you for returning. I really do appreciate you. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome! I hope you find it both fun and informative. 39 episodes ago, on episode 59, I had a segment called Don't Drink Bleach. This talked about the scammers who were selling industrial bleach as a COVID cure, as well as the alternative health people putting small amounts in their water and ingesting it. It was all pretty horrifying. For more on that and how people had their intestinal linings sloughing off and coming out of them, go to the skeptical segment of episode 59. Just when I thought that bit of woo is behind us, another dangerous product is suddenly being touted as the next great cure-all. This time, instead of Instagram to spread their dangerous misinformation, there is TikTok, which spreads this shit a lot faster. So now it's borax. At least people aren't selling bottles of it as cures for shit this time. At least I haven't come across that yet. But plenty of people are making the claim to their sometimes hundreds of thousands of followers that ingesting borax in small amounts is a healthy thing to do. They are wrong. Borax is poisonous to humans. The weird thing is that these are the same people who made vaccines remove the mercury from them, despite the fact that they contained less mercury than an average apple. Yet they're fine with bleach or borax in food or drink in much, 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 much higher quantities. Borax is a commonly used booster for laundry detergents, and has also been used as a pesticide, a household cleaner, an herbicide, and for unclogging drains. Does that sound like something y'all should be adding to your insides? Other names it's known by are sodium borate, sodium tetraborate, and disodium tetraborate. It's a natural compound which can be mined from dry lake beds, such as those around California's Death Valley. The elements of borax are boron, sodium, oxygen, and hydrogen. And it's the boron people are saying they are consuming it for. When asked for citations, all we get is the debunked work of Rex Newnham published in the 1990s. He advocated that boron was an essential mineral, which many people were lacking in their diets. He was wrong. Nobody else in nutritional science would make such a claim today. They do not consider it an essential nutrient. In fact, we have yet to find a biological function for it. Its promoters are adding it to smoothies and coffee and telling their audiences that it balances hormones and treats symptoms of arthritis, lupus, and other health issues, particularly around inflammation and pain relief. Of course, just like with all other Wu Health products, they claim that the benefits of boron are being kept from us by Big Pharma. Fuck's sake. 
So those are the claims of the benefits. But what are the actual risks? Let's start with borax and then go into boron itself. U.S. Borax has a statement on their FDA status page that reads, U.S. Borax does not offer any product that we approve or intend for use as a dietary ingredient, pharmaceutical and or over-the-counter active ingredient, nor food additives or direct additives to foods. Unquote. Clearly, they do not intend their product for internal use in human beings. If inhaled, borax will irritate the respiratory tract, causing breathing issues, and if consumed, it can cause confusion, seizures, or coma, and will do damage to one's organs, such as the kidneys and liver. If added to a bath, borax can cause rashes, skin irritation, and even peeling. And please, please do not mistake borax for boric acid. They are different things. Boric acid is used in treating vaginal yeast infections. Do not put borax on your vagina. No. But even if we took out everything in borax except for the boron, it would still be dangerous. The little bit of boron we get from fruits and veggies is plenty. We don't even know if it's providing us with any sort of function. But we do know that if you go over what a person gets from the average diet, then there are all sorts of negative effects. According to the National Institute of Health, if boron is ingested, it can cause nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, skin flushing, rashes, excitation, convulsions, depression, vascular collapse, and electrolyte imbalances. Reaching boron toxicity, which it does not take much to do, can cause headaches, hypothermia, restlessness, weariness, renal injury, dermatitis, alopecia, and indigestion. A sudden increase in boron to an infant can cause anemia, seizures, arrhythmia, and thinning of hair. Chances are you and your children do not have a boron deficiency. But if you absolutely cannot get that out of your head, then instead of adding cleaning chemicals to your drinks, consume food and drink that are known to add boron to our systems. Some examples are apples, pears, grapes, avocados, peanuts, beans, potatoes, broccoli, carrots, and spinach, as well as milk and coffee. There are a lot of safe options if you really do want to ingest more boron. The facts are, when it comes to increasing one's boron ingestion, there is zero evidence of any health benefits and plenty of evidence of harm that can be done. Be skeptical, damn it. Green hydrogen would be an ideal source of energy if we could just master a way to obtain it without using up fresh water. Green hydrogen is obtained by using electric currents from renewable energy to split water into its building blocks, hydrogen and oxygen. A device called an electrolyzer is used to achieve this. If we can overcome one major hurdle, green hydrogen is expected to be a huge part of the decarbonization of refineries, steel mills, and fertilizer plants in the future. The biggest barrier has always been the fact that it has to be done with fresh water, and that is a precious resource. Using seawater is corrosive to electrodes, and that has stopped us from being able to scale up for industry commercialization. If we could overcome this, access to seawater is as close to an unlimited resource as we can get. So of course, many tech researchers around the world are working on and testing different ways to halt this corrosion of electrodes in the process. And we may have the first success. Researchers from the Department of Physics at IIT Mandria at a university in India have published their work in the journal ACS Applied Energy Materials. They claim to have developed an alkaline water electrolyzer, which is the holy grail. It's what is required to create a highly efficient, cost-effective way to electrolyze seawater. 
India has a national green hydrogen mission, which has the goal of increasing green hydrogen production, and this could be a step in helping them to meet those green hydrogen targets without using up their meager amounts of precious fresh water. Today I'm finishing up with what I've learned from reading Project 2025 and the Mandate for Leadership. As I said in previous episodes, I did not consume everything. There was just way too much. What I did do was start with the first one that seemed to me like it would contain important information, and when done with that I chose the next one that seemed important, and I did this until I knew I couldn't possibly fit in anymore. As a recap, the first of four pillars of Project 2025 is the publication of the Mandate for Leadership, which the next Conservative president is expected to follow. It is most definitely a manifesto for a Christian nationalist totalitarian regime. On part one, I talked about Project 2025 and two sections from the Mandate for Leadership, the Department of Justice and the Department of Housing and Urban Development. In part two, I talked about the EPA, the DOA, Intelligence, and the Department of Health and Human Services. It's ridiculous how many of these sections have LGBT discriminatory language in them. Sections one would expect not to have any reason to even mention them are full of bigoted legislation against them. And today, I'm going to finish with the sections on media, the Department of Labor and Related Agencies, Education, and Human Rights. In the section on the Department of Labor and Related Agencies, the bigotry continues as Republicans call themselves the targets and victims of diversity. This section also takes a moment to call President Biden anti-faith. The guy's a devout Catholic. Like, what's with the constant obvious lies? A quote from this section. Much of American labor and employment policy has become institutionally oriented toward woke goals. Unquote. Again with the woke, and the people who use this term can't even properly define it. This section also calls for getting rid of hazard order regulations for young adults. What this means is that kids and teens will once again be able to be assigned hazardous jobs and responsibilities. Seriously. Next thing we know, they'll be wanting to send kids into caves with dynamite again. It is absurd to want to eliminate labor safety laws for youths. And finally, this section talks about how they are going to completely gut unemployment. What I want to know is what will happen to the funds people have already paid into it. If you suddenly end something, people have put a portion of their income in their entire work lives, do they get any of that back? In totalitarian society, which is what they are looking to build, the government owes nothing to its people, so my guess is no. Nobody will ever see a cent of what they paid into unemployment once it's ended. Under the section on media, it talks about getting the media under control and complains about what they call mainstream media negatively covering Trump when he was in office. There was nothing positive to cover, what the fuck? So, you know how Moscow has a state-run media? That's what Republicans want. The only reason any party in any nation is ever against the free press is when they are the ones getting caught in lies again and again. That's what the free press is for. What, are they just not supposed to report on all the batshit crazy garbage that was coming out of the president of the United States' mouth? The rest of the world was covering his incompetency, so why not the country actually being affected by it? A quote from the media section of the Mandate for Leadership. President Lyndon Johnson may have pledged in 1967 that public broadcasting would become a vital public resource to enrich our homes, educate our families, and to provide assistance to our classrooms. But public broadcasting immediately became a liberal forum for public affairs and journalism. Unquote. What the fuck? 
anything that promotes education is now the liberal enemy to these asshats. In regards specifically to PBS and NPR, quote, they don't even bother to run programming that would attract conservatives, unquote. Boo fucking who? That's because PBS is an educational channel, you twits. And Republicans already falsely believe they know it all. And Republicans show zero interest in learning and growing. And educational television numbers reflect that fact. According to this section on the mandate for leadership, 25% of PBS's audience is mostly liberal. 35% is consistently liberal. 11% is mostly conservative. And 4% are consistently conservative. So, because conservatives don't tend to like the programming, Republicans don't want it active anymore. What about the rest of the country? They literally take away rights and programs from half the country while saying they're the ones who are fighting for freedom. Maybe someday they will say it correctly. What they are are the ones fighting for a theocracy. There are no rights or freedoms in a theocracy. Next, let's take a look at the Department of Education. The mandate for leadership calls for the Department of Education to be eliminated and promises to teach young earth creationism as just as valid as evolution. For now, until they phase out evolution completely. It talks a lot about parents' rights, which we know is about non-affirming parents who want to oppress their children based on their LGBT status. That, and the Christian right to abuse and or neglect their children, this is already a right in several states in the US, but they would make that nationwide. They are moving towards a point where the children of America will be as ignorant of the rest of the world as those in North Korea are today. It's also a really good method to keep a nation's people trapped. The education they receive in the US will be useless anywhere other than the US. So the option to go elsewhere in adulthood and make use of a US education will no longer be a thing. You know how we don't accept credentials from other countries that don't have our same standards? Well, the US is going to be on that list for every free and educated nation in the world. This section also makes the claim that the current instructional material discards biology in favor of political indoctrination and applies critical race theory's core tenets advocating for more racial discrimination. Wow. What the actual fuck? They are the ones who discard science with their binary Christian-based view of the world that refuses to have any nuance or space for anyone who's born different than the majority. They are the ones who ignore the scientific fact that gender is not binary. They are the ones who ignore the scientific fact that XX and XY are not the only possibilities for human beings. They are the ones who prefer their ideology over the acceptance of reality. Also, I'm not even going to go into their description of critical race theory. One, it's absolutely absurd. And two, this is yet another false flag they put out there. Critical race theory is something not taught in grade or high school. It is taught at a university level. And they have absolutely no idea what it is or what it's about. When Republican voters are asked to define it, they never ever get it right. They have no idea what it is, yet they were able to be convinced to hate it and to consider it evil and discriminatory when they have no idea what it is. One last quote from this section. Of particular concern are efforts by many accreditation agencies to leverage their Title IV rules to force institutions to adopt policies that have nothing to do with academic quality assurance and student outcomes. One egregious example of this is the extent to which accreditors have forced colleges and universities 
many of them faith-based institutions, to adopt diversity, equity, and inclusion policies. Unquote. They are calling diversity, equity, and inclusion bad things. The last, and probably one of the most atrocious sections I consumed of the Mandate for Leadership, is the section on human rights. Right out of the gate, they are demanding that the terms sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, gender equity, gender awareness, gender sensitive, diversity, equity, inclusion, abortion, reproductive health, and reproductive rights be deleted from any and all government documentation. They want to make the terms normally used in free nations obsolete in the U.S. The reason they give for this? Quote, these terms are used to deprive Americans of their First Amendment rights. Unquote. What First Amendment right have these terms ever deprived anyone of? Of course, they don't actually name anything. That's because the entire concept is absurd. Another horrible quote from this section. Pornography manifested today in the omnipresent propagation of transgender ideology and sexualization of children. Unquote. This is an outright lie, an attack on a minority group of people. First, transgender people are people, not an ideology. Second, they are not the ones sexualizing children. According to the actual statistics in the United States, that would be people who work in the religious industry. Oh, and a lot of Republicans. Though there was one Democrat in 2023 so far. Next quote from this section. Free speech, property rights, sexual liberation, and child welfare have no claim to First Amendment protections. Unquote. Haven't the Republicans been yelling and screaming about free speech being impeded by Democrats for the last seven years? Yes, they have. Again, it's projection. It was all along. And this says property rights can be tossed as well. That means the government can claim any land for any reason. They've got it in writing, folks. This is what you're fucking voting for. Also, this point about free speech having no claim to First Amendment protections... This is from the same people who, every time a conservative talk show person faces consequences for their assholery, get riled up that the left is trying to take their free speech rights away. Deflection again. Conservatives go, look at them, look what they're doing, when it's them planning to do that thing all along. Of course, this section also talks about the schools serving the parents and more education bullshit like that. There's a reason why kids' rights are supposed to come first in civilized societies. Civilized nations do not allow parents to abuse or neglect their children. No exceptions. Blue states in the U.S. see it the same way. Red states and Republicans overall, however, are all for the allowance of neglect and abuse if it's done in the name of Christianity. Several of these red states will not prosecute people who allow children to die because of their ideology of prayer over care. An actually dangerous to children ideology that Republicans are totally fine with. Fucking hypocrites. Not only that, but it's pretty obvious when they say the schools serve the parents, they are talking about Christian parents only. Non-Christian families will have their rights trampled all over as the schools indoctrinate their children into Christianity, the exact thing they accuse LGBT people of. Something nobody in the LGBT community is trying to do to anyone, but Christians want the right to do it all the fucking time. A quote from this section. The noxious tenets of critical race theory and gender ideology should be excised from curricula in every public school in the country. Unquote. So they want to ban critical race theory from schools, something that isn't taught in schools, something they can't even properly define. And once again, they're calling gender identity an ideology. 
This section goes on to call the teaching of inclusion to be a poison. Yeah. Another quote, allowing parents or physicians to reassign the sex of a minor is child abuse and must end, unquote. No, not listening to the parents and doctors who actually know best is child abuse, you dumb fucks. Gender affirmation does zero harm. Gender affirmation does save lives. So what's the fucking problem here? This section talks about their subjugation to democratic accountability. They admit it. They do not want democratic restrictions on their actions. The whole all men are created equally mantra is to be abandoned. And in the part where this is laid out, I found this quote. When the founders spoke of pursuit of happiness, what they meant might be understood today as in essence pursuit of blessedness. That is, an individual must be free to live as his creator ordained to flourish. Unquote. What a bunch of gobbledygook. You notice how they preface all this? When the founders spoke of the pursuit of happiness, what they meant might be understood today as an essence, literally just purposely trying to turn it into something that it's not. This is like biblical apologetics, but for the founding fathers' words. This section goes on to claim that the Constitution was never meant to mean freedom for all, but for freedom to pursue the good life under God. Another quote, Religious devotion and spirituality are the greatest sources of happiness. Unquote. Not. If that were the case, we wouldn't have the great majority of people who come out of religion ending up happier than they've ever been. And that's the case almost every single time. And, of course, the section takes a shot at scientific facts, saying that when science conflicts with Republican values or beliefs, there is to be a committee to advise the president of scientific and technological considerations and the electiveness of the federal effort. So the truth of the science doesn't matter. Not if it doesn't agree with their theology. Their ideology. And that's all the sections I've been able to read since taking on this endeavor. So far, what I've seen is pretty fucking awful. So far, what I've seen is a plan to end democracy and freedom in America. Remember, nobody has to believe me. They are so certain their base will not bother to read it that they have published it online for all to see. Their mandates very clearly put theocracy and hierarchy over freedoms, just as Hitler and Mussolini did. Political parties, particularly those of free democratic nations, should grow and evolve. The Republican Party's been stuck in the same place since the 1980s. And now they're doing their very best to take their country back another 60 years, or even more. The next time they get into power, they will create the permanent political class that they accuse the Democrats of being. Go read it for yourself. At least be aware of what's to come if they win the next election, because this describes the world you will be leaving to future generations. And it's what we all grew up understanding as horrific circumstances to be alive in. I apologize for not having a positive today. Nothing's come up and I just haven't been in a sharing mood lately, which is weird. I'm normally the oversharer. I'm kind of hoping something will come along and I'll be able to insert it in place. But if you're hearing this, then that never did happen. So I'm done for today. Please consider subscribing to the YouTube for short weekly skeptical videos. Thank you for joining me. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. My eternal gratitude goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project almost four years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin. 
Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found at WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Herder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And finally, thank you to my household for putting up with me. Y'all really are the best. I hope you'll choose to join me again in two weeks for episode 99 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player. Or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, YouTube, Pinterest, and TikTok, and under LTE Pod on Blue Sky, Hive, Tribal, and Twitter. There is also a Patreon at patreon.com slash livingthroughextinction. There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias.